I trust God to help me to do a good work within a short time this morning. As I have several meetings today, and um, I do hope to be a blessing. Psalm 89 and verse 34 is our main text. And this is what I'll be teaching and preaching on throughout the month, every Sunday. Uh, because we are at a critical time in our walk with God and in the happenings around us, not just in our nation, but across the globe. We are at a time that the just shall live by his faith. And we must understand the covenant that we have with God. That we carry a blood covenant with God. So that on the strength of that covenant, we can relate to God. Not seeing him as someone that can bail out on us at any time. What the drama people projected earlier, I thank God for their lives. That's exactly what we go through every day. The battles that we fight are essentially in the mind. Somebody say, in the mind. And you see, once Satan is able to defeat anybody there, then the person is defeated. But if he loses the battle there, he has lost it. So it's a place where we need to win the battle. Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4 tells us, For the weapons of our warfare are not natural. They are not carnal. But they are mighty through God. How? To the pulling down of strongholds. What are strongholds? Thoughts. Belief systems that have stayed. They've come to stay. And as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if the enemy can get us to think like a failure, then we have failed. But if we break his hold and we begin to think like God wants us to think as victorious, then we are going to be victorious. What I'm telling you this morning is not cheap. It is something I'm faced with myself on a daily basis as I put different issues before the Lord. Some of them mine issues, some of them other people's issues that I put before the Lord. So it's a real battle. However, we are not fighting for victory. We are fighting from victory. Can I have an amen to that? So I want to thank God for our drama ministry. You got it right. The Lord will continue to help you to get it right in the name of Jesus. And he will continue to help us to make the right choices. To pull down strongholds. To cast down imaginations. To pull down strongholds and to bring every thought to the obedience of Christ. It's very important. Next verse. Next verse, please. Casting down imaginations and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. When God says you will make it, another voice says you are not going to make it. So, you are in between. One says you will make it. Another one says you are not going to make it. Whose report would you believe? You are the one in between. And this is why we must bring every, we must, uh, bring every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring it into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You're going to make it. Someone else says, you're not going to make it. You say, Where, where's that coming from? <laughs> Amen. We need to learn to cast it down and cast it down and cast it down. It's not once in a week. If you look around us today, the battles that we face are immense and intense. But we have the victor on the inside of us. Amen? So, this too shall pass. Whoever is going through stuff this morning, I say to you, it will pass. You will not pass. That situation will pass. You will see the end of it in the name of Jesus. 
Can I get a better amen? amen? And this is why I'm teaching what I'm teaching. So I'm not I'm gonna take it easy, I'm not gonna rush it. I it's a teaching actually. I want to teach it and I want you to understand it because it will help you not only for now but for many, many years to come. Psalm 89 and verse 34. Psalm 89 and verse 34. The Lord said, My covenant will I not break nor alter the thing that is gone out of my lips. My covenant will I not break. If I've made a covenant with you, I am not going to break it. And I'm not going to change the thing that has gone out of my lips. So when I say that you are blessed, I'm not going to say tomorrow that you are not blessed anymore. The word of God is dependable and reliable. We can take it to the bank and cash it. That's how powerful the word of God is. Hebrews 4.11 tells us that the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, divided to the asunder, the spirit and the soul, the bone and the marrow, the joints and the marrow. And discerning is a discerner of every thought and intent of the heart. I say to someone here today, you will make it through in the name of Jesus. If there's any thought you need to shake off this morning, shake it off. And it, it, it's amazing that even when we come to church sometimes, those thoughts follow us to church. They have no respect for the house of God. They have no respect that you're in the presence of God, so you have to learn to exercise your authority over it. Look, that's not mine. That's not mine. It doesn't belong to me. I cast you down in the name of Jesus. I will make it through. And look, when you are dealing with the enemy, I've said it time and time again, senior pastor has taught us time and time again, you have to be very rough and violent because the enemy you are dealing with is very rough and violent too. So these are not the days of Jelenke Christianity. You know, what will be, will be Kyusira, Sira. Don't let Kyusira, Sirao. It is what you want that you must decree and stand by it and the Lord will grant us the victory in the name of Jesus. Let me summarize what I said last week so I can move forward because I want to move forward very quickly and share two points with us today. In the ancient Hebrew society and many societies across the world, our people, our fathers, understood the term covenant more than we do understand it now. They related, many, many of them, by covenant. And the moment you caught a covenant with someone else, that covenant remained binding on both of you. The terms and the conditions of the covenant remained binding on both of you. So I'll give you an example. You have a family where they are predominantly farmers and they do well. They are blessed. They are rich. They make a lot of money from the farm produce. They have a lot of farm produce and all of that stored up. So they are not hungry. However, they have a problem. Now, what is their problem? They are often robbed. Armed robbers come around, loot their uh, treasury, take away their farm produce, steal their money, get them injured, and all of that. Now, here is another family. They don't farm. They are notable warriors. Very powerful, physically strong. You know, they can, they, they can, they can fight anybody and rout any enemy. However, they are going hungry. They don't farm. They don't have food. They don't have money. They're broke, but they are physically strong. Are you with me, church? So what the two families would do is, look, we have the farm produce, we have money, but we don't have the strength. Our enemies are coming, they are beating us, clubbing us on the head. 
Can you come and cut a covenant with us? Ah, we too, we are hungry. Even though we are physically strong, we have the power, we have the energy. But we are hungry. And you guys have food, you have surplus. So the two of them will come together and cut a covenant. And in that covenant, they will say, look, if anybody comes against you, you are the farmers and they want to uh, beat you up and steal your stuff like they normally do, call on me. We will come to your rescue. We are going to fight for you. Are you getting it? Now, if hunger comes against us, we will come to you and get food. And you are going to give it to us. You can't withhold from us. Is that clear, everybody? But then it's a process. That's what I want to take you through today, next week, and upper week, by the grace of God. There are seven steps. We're going to look at the Hebrew, the ancient Hebrew society, for example, as a case study to understand what the blood covenant is. This is where I'm going. I want us all to have an understanding of our covenant with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if we do have an understanding of that covenant, it will strengthen our faith. We will come to a point where we will realize that no matter what comes against us, we are not going to go under because we have a covenant partner who is all powerful, who is all mighty, who is all rich, all connected, all wealthy, all merciful, all gracious. He has everything in abundance and doesn't need anything really from us, only for us to connect by faith. Can I have an amen? That's where I'm going. So I've told you where I'm going. So please follow me very closely this morning. We're going to look at the traditional Hebrew society and look at the way they usually cut their covenant. Number one, step one. Let me go straight to step one. Each family or party chose a covenant representative. Each family or party chose a covenant representative. The person representing the family was always the family's best, the smartest, the strongest, the fleetest of foot. Glory be to God. Likewise, the animals to be used in the covenant, because it's a blood covenant, so animals will be used, animals will be slaughtered. The animals to be used in the covenant ceremony were always the best. They were carefully selected and prepared. The Hebrew people had, they had learned this when God instructed them to offer only the best when bringing sacrifices to him. He didn't want any one-eyed, diseased animal on, the, on his altar. Then a covenant site was chosen. Listen to this. Let me use, can I have two people that are strong that can stand for the rest of the administration, the rest of the, uh, my, my preaching this morning? Somebody, I want male, two male. One, okay. Both of you are almost the same height. Let me get someone that is shorter than Toby. Okay, Larry. Now you stay here. So you face each other. I'll be using them to explain the two families. This guy is the best in his family, the smartest, the strongest, 
There is nobody better than him in his entire tribe. He will be the one to represent his family. This guy is the, is the best, the smartest, the strongest in his entire family. And nobody is stronger than him. Nobody is smarter than him. He is therefore qualified to represent his family. Are you getting it? Are you getting it, church? Now, they will also select carefully the animals to be, to be used. Now, God had warned them. Don't bring a one-eyed goat to my altar. I don't want any animal that is one-eyed. I don't want any animal that has a blemish. Don't bring a sickly animal to sacrifice unto the Lord. So, you bring your best. When you are coming to give me anything, give me your best. God said, which of you want to give your governor an animal? And you give him a goat that has one eye. Even in today's times, if you have the privilege of knowing the governor of this state and he's celebrating his birthday, and you want to give him cake, will you give him a cake that has been cut into half? Happy birthday, governor. Half cake. Oh, no, come on. Or you have the privilege to give him a mobile phone. Will you give him the one that has a damaged screen? Governor, this phone is very expensive. It's just that the, phone, the, the screen has broken. Just manage it, sir. Would that be all right? Would that be all right? You want to bring offering to God. And it is the one that has been sellotaped. The one that even the bus conductor will not collect from you. You package it in the offering envelope. You are giving it to God. From church, they will take it to bank. No. Don't do that. Give God your best. They will select the best animals. Usually a calf and uh, a lamb. Usually. Now, the best animals selected by both families, then they will choose a covenant site that at a particular place, that is where both families will meet. And when they come to that place, the council of elders of each tribe or each family would sit in such a place that they can hear what these two representatives are saying. Because at least eight generations are going to be bound by this covenant. A generation is about 40 years. So, you are talking about almost 320 years of one covenant lasting. That's the natural covenant, not the one with God. Ours with God is an everlasting covenant. Can I have an amen? Are you following very keenly this morning? I want you to understand this. It will help you. And this helps me, even as I go through all sorts. That, okay, God, you're still with me. Okay, God, you are dependable. Okay, God, you are reliable. Because the enemy's job is to make God a liar in your life. They say God heals. How come? God didn't heal that person and they died. They say God blesses. How come? That person serves God in church. The most spiritual but the poorest. They say God, God, it pays to serve God. How come? The sister that is most faithful, most committed in our fellowship is the one that failed all her papers. And now she has an extra year. That is the enemy's goal. He always wants to make God a liar. But he is the liar. Can I have an amen? John 8, 44. Jesus exposed him. Jesus called Satan a murderer and a liar from the beginning. He said when he tells a lie, he says that which is normal to him. It's natural to the devil to lie. See? He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. 
When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. Lies belong to him. He speaketh of his own, for he's a liar and the father of it. The devil is not just a liar, he's the father of lies. Mm -hmm. Are you with me this morning? Now, keep standing guys. You're going to stay with me for a while. What do we understand from choosing the best, the smartest, the strongest from both families? Choosing the best animals. This is the point. Give God your best. Let me turn to your neighbor and tell them, give God your best. That's, that's too weak. Make it a little stronger. Let me tell them, the best of your time, talent, and treasure. Can we have Luke 6.38 on the screen? Luke 6.38 on the screen, please. Luke 6.38 on the screen. Let's read it together. One, two, go. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the measure that you meet, we thou shall it be measured to you again. The measure... If you give God with a spoon, with a spoon, men will give back to you. I am extremely careful when I want to give God or man something. If I want to give you a mobile phone and the phone has problems, and I give you the phone all the same with the problems, I've sown a seed. I'm going to have a harvest. Other people are going to give me phones, but those phones also will have issues. It is the measure with which you give that it shall be measured back to you. If you sow sparingly, the Bible says, you will also reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you will also reap bountifully. Now, in our covenant with God, give God the best of your time. We are all young people in this church. The best of your time, the best of your talent, the best of your treasure. Don't give God leftovers. This is why we pay tithe. It is not because God is going to kill us if we don't pay. But we honor him with the first fruit of our earnings. Before I begin to spend the rest, let me give to God. Let me worship God with that which belongs to him. Some of us are better, better placed than what we are giving God in terms of offering. God has so blessed you, you are still giving under the offering every Sunday. And you know that's not your level. Give God your best. Give God your best. Why? Because it will come back to you. And listen, it's not just what you give to God, but how you give it to God is also important. Not just what you give, but how you give it is also important. Your attitude in your giving is very important. Your attitude in your giving. These guys must bring the best of the animals. If one of them brings an animal that is sick or sickly, the other person will reject it and there's no covenant to cut. When you want to give God praise, give God praise. Amen? Don't give him half praise. You want to show your gratitude to God? Show your gratitude to God. Some of us come to church and you come criminally late. It is not healthy 
Give God the best of your time. Sunday morning, one service, 8 a.m. It let your 8 a.m. be 8 a.m. On days when it is impossible, let it be between you and God that it's impossible to make 8 a.m. today. So many of you are not in ministries. You're not serving in any ministry. What are you giving to God of your talent? And there is not one person here today that is empty. We are all blessed. We all carry something. How many of you will go to uh, uh, this water uh, company, for example, and then you, you buy just the plastic? You say, I want 12 cartons of water. And then they give you uh, 12 cartons, but then you open the cartons and then there is nothing, there is no liquid content inside. Will you pay for that? Or you want to buy Coca-Cola and then you pay and then they give you an empty bottle of Coca-Cola. Does that make sense? No, come on, talk to me. Does that make sense? God has not made any of us empty. We all carry something to bless the church and to bless the world. So I want to talk to you as my dear people this morning. Let's all get our hands dirty working for God. Let's all be involved. Let's all be committed in the building of this house. Let everyone play their part. Be at your rehearsal. Show up at the proper time. Be at your ministry meeting. Show up at the proper time. You are giving it to God. Well, pastor, I don't have transport fare. Trek. Let God see that you trekked to go and serve him. Let it be in the record of your life that once upon a time you trekked. Because the time is coming, you are not just going to be rich enough to buy cars. You are going to be giving cars out as gifts. Can I have an amen? amen. So that by the time you tell people, look, ah, there was a time I used to trek to church from UI. And my church then was in Mokola. Maybe that time you are living in Australia. <laughs> Let it be in the record of your life. Give God your best. It's not just about money. And it's not just about what you give, but also the attitude. You come to rehearsal, and then you sit at the back, and you cross your legs, and you are pressing your phone. After all, pastor said we should come to rehearsal, so I'm here to mark register. But all those songs they are singing, I don't have time. Or you are, you are angry with your H-O-M, you are beefing H-O-M. What, what, what nonsense. She, she, what, what, who does she think she is? And you are not cooperating. Your attitude. God is looking. Let me tell your neighbor, say, God is looking. Some of us, even the way we give our offering. God, they said we should give you offering. 1,000. I've given 1,000 today. So that my child that is in heaven will come. And the one that is there will stay. My mom used to say that. When you pestered my mom too much, she said, That is my child that is in heaven. So that that one can come. And the one that is here can stay. So you are, you are, you are breathing down my neck. So she will give you that thing with an attitude that you wouldn't like. Let's not give to God. God, they say we should give offering. Oh yeah, take. Take and eat and let me rest. If anybody gives you a gift with that attitude, will you take it? Come on, talk to me, church. Will you take it? If you had a choice, would you take it? 2 Corinthians 9.7 2 Corinthians 9.7 Let's read together one, two, go, everybody. Every man, according as they propose it in his heart, so let him give. How? How should they give? Now, I want you to make it loud. The word N-O-T, make it loud. 
The Bible always tells us what not to do and tells us what to do. In Romans, don't let me go there, but Romans 10, actually, I think chapter, verse 4 or so, it says, say not in your heart. Now, don't go there. Leave this one on the screen. It says, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Don't give God grudgingly. Propose in your heart what you want to give. But don't do it grudgingly. Why? God loves it when you smile, when you give him something. And can I tell you what? God doesn't need anything, no. He doesn't lack anything. Can I have an amen? So whatever we give him is coming back to us. Can I have an amen to that? Okay, guys, God bless you. I think you can go back to your seat. I'll use you again next week. Praise God. There is a point where they will exchange their coat. So I'll tell you to wear a suit or even if it's with coat to church that day. And then there's a point where they will exchange their weapons of warfare. It's all part of the covenant. Amen. Let's take a cue from King David and also a cue from the Macedonian church. In 2 Samuel 24, King David had made a mistake. He numbered his people and so a plague came upon the people. And there was an angel that was destroying the people because of the plague, because of the error of King David. And the Lord showed him mercy. He cried out to the Lord. And he was going to make a sacrifice to God. So he wanted to buy a field where he would make the sacrifice. The field belonged to a man called Arauna. Someone say Arauna. A-R-A-U-N-A-H. And the king came to him and said, look, I want to buy your field because I want to make a sacrifice to God. And guess what? The man said, oh no, my king, don't buy it. I give it to you for free. Now verse 24, see what David said. David said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. And the king said unto Arauna, nay. That is no. Somebody said nay. But I will surely buy it of thee at a price. I'm going to buy it. I don't want it for free. I'm going to pay for it. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God, unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And then what happened? Next verse. What happened next? And David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord was entreated for the land and the plague was stayed from Israel. But my point is in verse 24. David said, look, I'm going to buy it. I am not going to offer to God that which cost me nothing. It's a mindset. I'm not going to give anything to God that is cheap. So I repeat again, give your best to God. Don't give God your leftovers. The best of your time. The best of my time. Every day. Who gave us the time anyway in the first place? Who gave it to us? Oh no, you know, I want to go to America next month. From there I'm going to Canada. And from there um, I'll, I'll stop over in Germany. And then from there I'll stop over in London. And then I'll come. Who gave you all of the time and the resources to go around the world?
let what you are giving to God cost you something. If you are really going to be committed in this house, if you want to be part of us, want to be part of the workforce, it will cost you something. Some people are called sanctuary beautifiers. What do they do? They come to church, they clean the church. I think they do on Saturdays. clean the chairs, arrange the place so that we don't come in later and sit on dirty chairs. It's costing them something. They, they don't, some of them don't live close to church. They live very far from church. Some people gather here every Saturday, 2 p.m. or 1 p.m. They are singing, they are rehearsing and rehearsing hours and hours on end. Nobody's paying them a dime. You can spend that time on Owambe or spend that time doing something else or maybe even just sleeping. It's costing you something. There is nobody that really wants to serve God and that service will not cost you something. Don't give to God, that will cost you nothing. One of the generals of faith will say, if it doesn't move you, it can't move God. In your giving, not just your money. So you don't say, oh, Pastor Fred is talking about money this morning. You know, I hardly ever talk about money. Even though we need money. We need a lot of it now. We are buying equipment, we are buying things to uh, reinforce our system here i learned some some surge came in from the generator a few sundays ago burnt two of our tvs and spoiled some equipment and to reinforce this building to prevent that from happening again cost us close to half a million you can ask the the the, the tech people the rewiring and all of that and then what we, we just bought a gadget like, like a stabilizer like a step down close to three hundred thousand. so it will cost you something Running a service like this costs us something. There's something that goes into the generator. It's called diesel. Not speaking in tongues. Amen? If you come to church and the fans are not working, the microphone is not working, everybody's sweating, pastor's sweating, pastor's screaming and shouting, and people almost fainting because there's no ventilation. Would you want to come back to that kind of church next time? Or if you come to church and they say, we don't have money to buy chairs, so we are sitting on the floor today. Hallelujah. It costs something. Let's take a cue from David. David said, I will not give to God that which costs me nothing. So don't give cheap things to God. You want to give your time? Good time. You want to give your talent? Good talent. Good chunk of it. You want to give your, your resources? Good chunk of it. And the Lord rewards you richly in the name of Jesus. Let's take a cue also from the Macedonian church. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 5. Paul the apostle wrote this about the Macedonian church. He said, Now, moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Let's read it together, please. Let's read it together. One, two, go. From the beginning. Verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Uh -huh. How that in a great trial of affliction... The abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded to the riches of their liberality. Uh -huh. For to their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. Somebody say willing. They were willing, not of necessity, not grudgingly. They were willing of themselves. Verse 4, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. I can't hear you anymore. Verse 4 again. Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift 
and take upon us the fellowship of the ministry to the saints. Verse 5. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. The Macedonian church was a poor church. Yet, the Bible says their deep poverty, Paul the Apostle said, they are in a, they were, listen, they were poor and then they were in a great trial of affliction. That's like double affliction. If you are rich and you are going through an affliction, you can use the money to solve certain problems that can be solved with money. Is that right? Come and talk to me. Is that right? But imagine a poor man who is also now sick. He's poor and sick at the same time and he has a court case. How is he going to survive? Everything would look dark. What kind of God am I serving? You're broke? You have a court case? Your child is sick? Or maybe you are sick yourself? No money to buy ordinary paracetamol. That was the condition of the Macedonian church. They were poor. They were in a great trial of affliction. How did I know they were poor? Look at this. Paul the apostle described their poverty as being deep. Deep poverty. Oh, deep gone. Amen? Some poverty are still shallow. Yeah, I'm eating 101. Sometimes it's 100. Sometimes it's You are still counting. That's not deep. Deep poverty means they wake up every morning and they had no clue what to eat. Not because there was an abundance in the store or in the refrigerator or in the freezer, but I mean nothing. Everywhere, the stores were empty, the, 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 the vineyards, nothing, nothing on the olive street, nothing. I mean nothing. No meat in the stall. Zephaniah said, but yet will I praise God and I will yet rejoice in my God. My goodness, that I can be in a, in a situation and still thank God. I can be in a hopeless, a seemingly hopeless situation. But even with my last breath, oh God, if I wake up and I open my eyes, I will still give you praise. My goodness. Those are the people that do know their God. That's a stage God wants us to get to many, many times in our walk with God. It won't always be rosy. Listen to me, church. Don't let anybody deceive you. You know, when you, when you become born again, you're just like on autopilot. You're just going to be cruising, you know, from Jaguar to Escalade and from there to Aston Martin and from there to whatever. Listen. It is not always so. The Macedonian church, did they offend God? How come they had deep poverty? But there is something to learn. Paul even used them as a point of reference. He said, I want you to copy the grace of God upon their lives. Learn from them. How that in a great trial of affliction. Listen, I, I, Paul, Paul knew how to use words. He didn't say small trial. <laughs> Let me ask your neighbor this man, say, how great is your trial? Uh, you know, I've not gained admission, and I don't like it. All my mates have gone ahead of me. They're in 300 level. I'm still struggling. I'm still struggling to pass jam. Uh. Let me look at them this way. Look at the way I'm looking. Say, uh. I'm 23. I don't have a boyfriend. When am I going to have a boyfriend? You know, because they say that if a woman now crosses 25 and she doesn't have a boyfriend, the tendency is that she might not have a boyfriend again. Uh, let me look at this. Uh. 
I'm, I'm 27. I'm 27, man. I'm a guy. At 27, I should not be living with my parents. I'm still living with them. You know my life. I don't understand. I, I don't know whether I'm moving forward or moving back. Look at them. Say, Now, help me tell them, to him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. Tell them, because you are alive, there is hope. What you see today is subject to change. It will change. It is bound to change. It is programmed to change. It is going to change. Can I have an amen to that? Because we see it, it will change. Can I have an amen? I don't care whether it's a doctor's report. We have another report. Can I have an amen? The other report is called the Lord's report. Can I have an amen? Hallelujah. Brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction, in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy, this is something to learn from them. Not just their giving, but also their joy. The abundance of their joy. Now, he now combined it with their poverty. And their deep poverty. They had deep poverty, but they had abundance of joy. Now, that is something that is not very common. That you are able to combine poverty and joy. Because when there is poverty, the tendency is that you are not happy. You may have joy, but it will not show on your face in the form of happiness. Because every waking moment you are thinking of how that money will come. How you are going to pay your bills. Am I right about that? But this church didn't wear it on their face. And this is something also for me to learn. As I preach to you, I preach to myself. Because there are certain situations in life that come and just weigh us down. We must understand that joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's always there. I might not be releasing it, but it's there. And so what do I need to do? I should learn to release it. Smile. Let me tell your neighbor, say, please smile. Some of you are so handsome, it's the day you smile we will know. Some of you are so beautiful, it is when you smile, say, eh? I should be being fine to you. I'm being fine, go. Listen, church. Their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. The third thing to learn from them, the third thing is their liberality, their generosity. They had deep joy. They were in a great trial of affliction, but they had deep joy, right? And their poverty was deep. But they had abundance of joy. And then they were rich in liberality. They were rich in generosity. People say, I don't give because I don't have. It's a lie. Everybody has something. There is always something to give. Give somebody of your time, your smile, your, 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 your words of wisdom from God, your, your understanding. Your... Come on. There is something to give. The little money you have, you can share. The little food you have, you can share. Some of the nice clothes you have, you can share. A lady in this church some time ago spotted a brother who was coming to church with the same outfit every time. Even the pastor didn't notice. 
a lady noticed. And she didn't want a relationship. It's not that she did it for a relationship. And for your information, she was not even ready for that. And then she was even way older than the guy. She came privately to me and said, Pastor, there's this particular brother in church who has been wearing. I've noticed him. That it looks like that's the only native he has. And then he has just a few shirts. He said, I've just noticed. I don't know why. The Holy Spirit just kept opening my eyes to see him. He said, Pastor, I don't want a relationship. I'm older than him. If I want a relationship, it's not my fate. But I believe this is God putting this in my heart. And I want to be a blessing. And we mapped out a plan. I joined forces with her. Boom. A student. She brought money. We got a fashion designer in the church. We got everything. We delivered to the brother. He was almost in limbo. What, what's, what's, what's going on here? Till today, the brother does not know the lady that did it. She didn't do it so that I could now say, well, um, this was the person that initiated it. No, no. Remained anonymous till today. What does she have? If God now makes such a lady a multimillionaire, can you imagine what she'll be doing in the church? Liberality. Being generous is not about how much you have in your bank account. It's about the spirit you possess. Are you with me? You must have the spirit of liberality. Be generous. Some of you can't share anything. No. Ah, no, 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 no. You can share prayer. If it's prayer point, ah, I can pray with you. Let's pray. Let's, let's lock hands together. The brother is dying of hunger. Ah, Lord, fill him up. Fill him up. You have money. You have food at home. You have extra food in your store. And your rabadosia laba is not telling you. You don't know that the Holy Ghost is saying, go to your store. Get him a kungu of rice. And give him 2,000 on top of it to buy salt and pepper and onions and, 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 and palm oil or, or vegetable oil to cook it. Plus kerosene. Praise God. Look at this church. Am, am I talking to someone this morning? We're talking covenant. For you to understand. God so loved the world, he gave certain things and kept back certain things. No. He gave all. His only begotten son. He sets us an example. So when you're coming to covenant with God, get ready to give all. God can wake you up in the midnight and say, stand up for one hour. I want you to be in, in, in intercession for someone else. Oh no, Lord, I, I really, I cherish my sleep. I cherish. You don't have your life anymore. But God will never waste your life. You didn't hear what I said. Did you hear what I said? For to their power, I bear record. Yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. People say, no, they do pass yourself. No, they do pass yourself. The Macedonian church, they did pass themselves. For to their power, I bear record. Yea, and beyond their power. They were not forced. They were willing. They were well taught. So that's what I'm teaching you now. Some of you, we made you heads of ministries, but you are not even there. You're not leading by example. You call a meeting, you won't attend. We call Bible study, you don't come. And you are heading a ministry. John C. Maxwell says, if you call yourself a leader and nobody's following, you're just taking a walk. Praying us with much entreaty. They were begging Paul, the apostle, and the other disciples. They gathered money. They gave to Paul to meet the needs of the poor saints in Jerusalem. 
These people were poor, yet they were gathering resources together to meet the needs of other brethren. Can you understand that? Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gifts. Not spiritual gift this time, money. This gift is money. And take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. They first gave themselves to God. Our covenant relationship with God begins when we give ourselves to the Lord. When you give your life to Christ. That is step one of your covenant relationship with God. I'm talking about covenant made by blood. The blood part of it I will still explain. Not today, but you'll begin to see as we go on step by step. Step by step. Let's take a cue from this church. The Macedonian church. Many things to learn from them. They were in a great trial of affliction. They had deep poverty. Yet, they were liberal. Yet, they showed they had joy. Yet, they gave beyond their power. A blaze is coming. And this is the spirit with which I want you to give. Beyond your power. To give yourself first of all to the Lord. And then to the church. Exodus 23 verses 25 and 26. But you shall serve the Lord your God. And he will bless your bread and your water. And I will take sickness away from the midst of you. The number of your days I will fulfill. There shall be nothing barren. There shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren in your land. The number of your days I will fulfill. No matter what comes against you, the number of your days I will fulfill. As you serve me, I service you, said the Lord. Let me ask your neighbor, are you serving the Lord? Are you serving in this house? Let me ask them. Are you serving in a ministry? When you service your car, it means that you, you are renewing the power of the engine. You don't want it to go through friction and breakdown. When you serve the Lord in his house, as a member of this house, the Lord will service your life. So there will be no crackdown. The enemy may come against you, don't worry, they, they have lost already. It's a done deal. Your victory is a done deal. Let me tell your neighbor again, give God your best. In Philippians 4, from verse 15 to 19. 19 is the very common verse, very popular. My God shall supply all my need. You know that song? But before you claim the blessing of verse 19, Philippians 4, you need to see the journey from verse 15. So now, ye Philippians know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, we were talking about Macedonian church earlier, right? So finally, Paul departed from Macedonia. He said, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. No church. There were many churches they had planted. No church remembered him and said, ah, we need to send something to our pastor. He said, no church communicated with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. He was writing this to the Philippians. Say, for even in Thessalonica, 
ye sent once and again unto my necessity. These were Paul's personal needs. Listen, church, I'm not ashamed to teach you this. A church should support their pastor, support your leaders, support those who labor over you. It is not a common teaching around here, but it is biblical, it is scriptural, it will open up your destiny. Go and look at churches that do these things, they always prosper. I invited uh, Reverend Bibini Eboda here some few years ago, I think 2017. He mentioned the same thing. Churches that do these things always prosper. Say, I have my own needs. Hey, what about pastor? Mm -mm. It's not because I want it. But when you do it, you prosper. Paul said, even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. You sent what I needed. Now, look at the next verse. Not because I desire gifts. I said, no, no, no. I'm not trying to raise offering here. My job in this church is to raise men, not to raise money. And as the men are raised, money will come. Amen? I'm trusting God that God will raise at least 100 millionaires in this church. And you'll be among them. Amen? So, and as you are raised, you come back and say, Pastor, we need air conditioners here. Pastor, we need a church bus. In fact, we need two. I've called the uh, Coast Carries Motors or maybe Elisa De Toyota Motors. They say one bus is 65 million. I want to buy two. Legit money. Amen? Yeah. That's why we should have graduated from plastic chair to cushion chairs. I'm ordering from China. Two weeks time, everywhere filled. Bam. And Pastor, are there students in our church who need help with scholarship? They are brilliant, but they need money. Are there people that need accommodation? Are there people that need to be set up in business? I'm setting aside these funds, these 300 million to take care of that. Can I have an amen? amen. And it will happen in the name of Jesus. Amen. It will happen in our lifetime in the name of Jesus. Amen. Not because I desire a gift. He said, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. What does this mean? As you have a physical account, you also have a spiritual account. You have a heavenly account. He said, as you give to me, your account, your heavenly account is being credited. Credited, not debited. The next verse. The next verse. But I have all. Say, I'm blessed. Someone say, I'm blessed. And I abound. Someone say, I'm blessed. I am full. Somebody say, I'm blessed. I've been received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, the Philippian church. He said, an odor. How did he describe what they sent? An odor of a sweet smell. A sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. They gave it to Paul, but Paul said it was well-pleasing to God. Because whatever you do for the minister of God, you have done it for God. And whatever you do to the minister of God, you are doing it to God. They call them. Those are two different things. When you do something for someone, that's positive. You are supporting, you are helping. When you do something to someone, that is negative. You are pulling down. You are part of the people trying to tear the work and destroy it. As we make efforts to build, 
There might be one or two people who are just not interested in building. And not only are they, are they not interested, they're even trying to tear down the work. Why are you still going to that church? There's another church down the line. Let's go there, Jerry. Let's leave them. Don't, don't pick their cause again. You're not building with us. And when you do that to us, you're doing it to God. When Saul of Tarsus, who later became Paul, was injuring the church and killing Christians, killing Christians, he got a letter to go to Damascus. On the road to Damascus, the Holy Ghost knocked him off the donkey's back. Jesus spoke. The Lord Jesus, King Jesus spoke to him. Paul, I said, Saul, Saul. Who are you, Lord? He introduced himself. He said, you are doing what you are doing against me. Against me. Whatever you do against the church or against the minister of God, you are doing it against God. And that's against the covenant. They blessed Paul. But Paul said, it was an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. He didn't say well-pleasing to me. He said well-pleasing to God. Next verse. This is the popular one. This was where Paul now swore, S-W-O-R-E, he swore the blessing upon these partners of his that were supporting his ministry. This was a swearing of the blessing. But my God, he didn't say our God, he didn't say your God, he said you have supported me. The God who called me, my God, shall supply all, not some, all all and i pray that for somebody this morning my god shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by christ jesus in the name of jesus whether it is a physical need an emotional need a financial need a health need a social need an academic need god will supply it in the name of jesus tell your neighbor again say give your best to god number two in the covenant, step two, and this is where I'm going to stop for today. I told you step one, they chose the representatives, the smartest, the best, the strongest, and they chose the animals. Step two, the covenant court was made. The covenant court, C-U-T, court. Actually, because the word covenant means a court. Where blood flows. That's the meaning of the word covenant. A cut. A cut where blood flows. So now the covenant cut was made. After selecting the representatives, then they were cut. What would they cut? In the ancient Hebrew covenant ceremony, the cutting of the sacrificial animals was done differently from every other sacrifice or ceremony. The covenant cut was made from the base of the animal's skull, lengthwise down the backbone. The animals were split and then parted down the backbone. Each half was made to fall side to side, but then propped up so that the blood would flow down a pathway. The covenant animals usually included a calf and a lamb. The calf represented monetary value. It represented the family's possessions, while the lamb represented total defenselessness. In fact, the lamb used in the ceremony was so young, it did not yet have teeth. It had no defense. Let me explain this and then I stop. When they bring those animals, a calf and a lamb, they will cut the animal, the animals from the base of the skull. This is, everybody has a skull. This is the base, the back, 
So it's like from the neck here. They will cut the animal all the way down this way. So it's not the normal killing of animals where you slaughter the neck. And, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> they will kill it from the base of the skull. They put their sharp knife there. I know that's difficult because that's where the vertebra, the vertebra column is. The cervical, the thoracic, the sacra, lumbar, and caudal. Did I get that right? They have other names too. There's, there are other ways to call it, but that's biology that we were taught many years ago. I hope it's still relevant. They cut it from that place. That is tough. It's tough on the animal. It's tough on the person killing the animal. That's not an easy place to kill an animal. Maybe the easier place will be here. If you cut the tummy, there's no bone there. <laughs> Except for the ribs. But this one, they, cut, they will cut it down the spine. Down. And when they do that, they will now split the animal like that. One will fall to this side. The other will fall to this side. They will prop it up so that blood could flow in one direction, in one pathway. Because they will walk in that blood. They will swear inside that blood. That's why it's covenant made by blood. It's the blood covenant. Look, we have a blood covenant with God. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God sacrificed for us. He's our Passover, 1 Corinthians 5, 7. He has been sacrificed. His blood has been shed so that your blood and my blood will never be shed. Can I have an amen? amen? The enemy will not have the last laugh over us because Jesus has shed his blood. And his blood is still speaking today. The blood of Jesus speaks of better things than the blood of righteous Abel. The blood of Jesus speaks mercy, mercy before the Father. Can I have an amen to that? So if you make a mistake, run back to Jesus. Don't run away from church. Don't run away from God. Run back to him and say, Lord, I made a mistake. I messed up. Have mercy on me. Turn my mess into a message. And he will listen and he will do it. So they cut the animal. They allowed the blood to flow. The, I told you also about the lamb. The lamb was so young, it had no defense, no teeth at all. By sacrificing these animals, each family was saying, we freely bring our blood to this covenant. We come with no malice. We come totally free, totally loyal. And once the animals were caught and their blood shed to the ground, the covenant ceremony began. The moment they put the blood on the ground, then the covenant now starts properly. Now listen to my closing note here. When a defenseless man enters into a covenant with the almighty God through Christ, then God becomes his rock and defense. In a covenant, I am strong in this area, maybe intellectually, but I am weak physically. I cannot fight. You are strong physically. But you are weak intellectually. The two families come together. I will use my strength to cover your weakness. You will use your strength to cover my weakness. Imagine a weak man now coming to court covenant with God. God doesn't need anything. He has everything. You don't have anything. You need everything that God has. And God still says, I want to court covenant with you. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? I mean, God could look at us and say, look, I don't need you for anything. Yet, he says, I love you. I love you enough. I want to be in a covenant relationship with you. Say, Lord, what do I have to offer? You don't worry about that. 
Just give me your heart. That's all. I will be your defense. I cannot fight. God says, I will be your defense. I don't have anybody. I will be your defense. I don't have any connection. I will be your defense. I don't have, nobody knows me. I will be your defense. Nobody, I will be your defense. When a defenseless man comes into a covenant relationship with the almighty God, then God becomes his defense. And when God becomes your defense, you are well defended. Can I have an amen? That amen is too weak. Can I have a better amen? amen. I'll give you a few scriptures. And then we close. Psalm 5 verse 11. Psalm 5 verse 11. Please let's be fast about this. This is where I close. I want to be sure I don't go beyond my time today. Time is up. Psalm 5 verse 11. Let's read together everybody. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy. Because thou. Come on talk to me. Thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. Thou defendest them. God defends the people that trust in him. Now say with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, help me in my journey of trusting you because you are my defense. Amen. Psalm 7 verse 10. Psalm 7 and verse 10. Quickly. One, two, go. My defense is of God, which saved the upright in heart. Your defense is of who? Are you your own defense? Is your dad your defense? Your mom? Your pastor? Your VC? Who is your defense? My defense is of God, who saves the upright in heart. Psalm 20 and verse 1. Psalm 20 and verse 1. One, two, go. The Lord heard in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob. Do what? Defend thee. May God defend you. Mm. It is sweet. It is sweet. It is sweet. It is sweet when God defends you. I've been there and I still need him now. More than ever before. But when I remember how he had defended me in the past. It gives me strength and encouragement to trust him to defend me some more as I go on in life. I remember one time, not too long ago, a pastor was sent to come and see me in my office, representing a family, and we had a business ongoing which wasn't going smoothly. And, you know, he had planned whatever in his mind. But as he was coming, he came with another pastor. So I opened the door. I'd never met him before. I'd never met them. I opened the door, welcomed them in, and they sat down. The other pastor he brought, as he entered my office, he looked at me. Pastor Fred. I said, yes, sir. I never knew him. He said, do you know so-so and so-and-so? And so? I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's no longer in the country. Okay. Do you remember so-so and so-so? I said, yeah, I remember. And he was telling the, the other man who came to see me, wanted to fight, wanted to do all of that, and was saying to him, ah, no, 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 not this man. He was telling him, ah, no, not this man. Ah, no, if it's Pastor Fred, forget it. End of story. Case closed. I offered them water. They took it. I saw them off. 
That's God defending me. May God defend you. There are people who try to blackmail us, damage our names for one reason or the other. And how much defense, how much self-defense can you do? When people malign you, when people try to destroy your image and all of that, and between you and God, you are not guilty, then let God defend you. How many people do you want to explain yourself to? Those of you in the university. Do you know they can lie against you that you slept with, especially ladies, and it can be painful for a lady. They could say that you, you slept with the lecturer, or you are sleeping with the lecturer. Not that you slept, you are sleeping. You are doing it actively. You are dating a lecturer. And as a young lady, it will get to you if you are a child of God. If you are a worldly person, you are a wayward person. <laughs> In fact, bring your VC. I want to date himself. In fact, I, can, I want to date your dad. You know, some, some ladies are weird. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Say, give me your dad. And then the girl is crying. Maybe the girl came to her and said, you, I've been told you're sleeping with my boyfriend. You're sleeping with my boyfriend. If I catch you, he said, yeah, your boyfriend. That's my toothpick. <sighs> That's how they say you're sleeping with everybody on the campus. Everybody. I've not slept with the VC yet. Then you know the girl is in trouble. She said, ah, this one that I came to fight, this one has signed. And then she said, no, 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 don't cry. Stop crying, baby. Why are you a cry-cry girl? Come over here. Give me your daddy's number. I want to date him. I'm sure your daddy will be sweet. The girl will just faint. No defense. As a believer, if they lie against you in school or in your place of work, that you did something that you did not do, ah, it can give you sleepless nights. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Ah. <laughs> if you don't mind, it might not be sleeping, it might not be anything sexual, but, and even if it's that, you don't mind to wave. Have you ever been lied against? Have they ever lied against you? Have they ever accused you of something you never did? How did you take it? Somebody said, I cried. Yeshua said, I cried. I mean, because you're a child of God, your conscience is tender. You cry. Ah, me. Me. And if care is not taken, for one month, you're still moody and depressed and all sad because you're just wondering. Hey, maybe this one too has heard now. Look at the way she greeted me. Oh, Debbie, that would normally give me a hug. She just waved at me. Oh, maybe she has heard, but she has not told me. And then you look at another person. Oh, maybe she too has heard, though. She has been told. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? You are not even free to walk on the streets. You're not free to walk on the campus because you think they are talking about you. But can I tell you something this morning? Let God be your defense. You didn't get that. I said, let God be your defense. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. One of the most endangered species in the world are pastors. People can easily, even church members can easily say, maybe a particular lady is very close to you, which is normal. Very close. We don't know. We trusted him before as our pastor, but for some time now. Anyway, we, I can't talk about men of God. We, you have already talked. <laughs> Anybody knows what I'm talking about? You, you have not said anything, but you have said so much. I mean, if you cannot defend your pastor, say, no, no, not my pastor. Say, but what about Pastor Fred? Have you ever suspected anything with maybe any lady in the special house? Eh, ah, 
Me, I only go to church. Sadu and Samigo sit down and say, I don't. Mm, wait. One time. Ah. You've already spoken. Am I making sense? But for me, say, God, defend me. May God defend you. Yours might not be sexual, might not be money. It might be something else. But I pray for everyone, online and on site, may the name of the Lord God of Jacob defend you. Is the old Lubejao. We can't fight our battles ourselves. They are too numerous. As I'm preaching to you this morning, I'm preaching to myself. Because sometimes I get weighed down and disturbed by some of these things too. But I say to myself, look, when the Holy Spirit, every time, you know that point when the Holy Spirit just helps you and then you jack back to life. How much of defense can you do for yourself? Turn the battle over to the Lord. Turn it to him. Let him handle it. Let him handle the people. And you'll find that victory is sweet in Christ. Let me bless you with about three more scriptures and that's it. Psalm 37 verses 39 and 40. Psalm 37 verses 39 to 40. Quickly, please. Quickly, 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 quickly. Oh my God. Quickly. Okay, so let's go there. Let's read it together. One, two, go. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. Is their strength in the time of trouble. Uh-huh. And the Lord shall help them. Can you say amen to that? And deliver them. Say amen to that. Let's go on. He shall deliver them from the wicked. Say amen to that. And save them. Because they trust in him. When you come into a covenant relationship with God, it will deliver you. It will save you. It will deliver you from the wicked. The wicked is the enemy coming against you, but your covenant partner is strong. Strong enough to deliver you. May you experience and enjoy deliverance of God all the days of your life. Can I have a better amen? Job 22 from verse 21. It says, acquaint now thyself with God, thereby good shall come unto thee. Receive, I pray thee, the law from his mouth, and lay up his words in your heart. If thou return to the Almighty, thou shalt be built up. Thou shalt put away iniquity far from thy tabernacles. Next verse. Then shalt thou lay up gold as dust, and the gold of offer as the stones of the brooks. Next verse. Yea, the Almighty shall be thy defense. Say amen to that. And thou shalt have plenty of silver. May the Almighty be your defense. And may you have plenty of silver. May you never lack again in your life. May you never lack help. May you never lack the gift of men. May you never lack defense in the mighty name of Jesus. Next verse. For then shalt thou have thy delight in the Almighty and shall lift up thy face unto God. Uh -huh. Thou shalt make thy prayer unto him and he shall hear thee. May the Lord hear you in the day of trouble. And thou shalt pay thy vows. Amen. When you vow to God, make sure you pay your vow. Amen. Verse 28. I have a vow that I want to pay December 31st this year. 
I vowed to God, Lord, if you do so, so and so and so for me, this is what I'm going to do before the congregation. And so I'm trusting God and I'm looking forward to the day. Thou shalt also decree a thing. You can vow before God and say, Lord, by this time, next month, in two months' time, I'm putting this before you. If you do it for me, I'm going to put air conditioners in the expression house and I'm going to buy them a brand new generator. Somebody came to this church years ago for a wedding service. The extension was not yet done properly. Still open, I guess. Construction work stopped at that period. And there was a wedding service. The man was not a member of the church. He just came for the wedding service. And he had some trouble in his business. And he put it before the Lord. He had the senior pastor preach and said, if you do this for me, Lord, I'm coming back to this church. I'm going to do this for them. He didn't come as a member of the church. By the time God answered his prayer, he came and did what he wanted to do. The next verse says, thou shalt also decree a thing. You remember Anna? Anna made a vow to God, if you give me a male child, a male child, I will give him back to you. I will dedicate him. That was how Samuel came and became the prophet of God. Some vow in this house, they have vowed to God. God has answered. We don't know the address anymore. I'm more than expression house now. Can I be going there? I'm, I'm, in terms of age, in terms of resources, in terms of connection, in terms of exposure, in terms of revelation of the word of God, in terms of relationship with the Holy Spirit, I'm not in the same category with those people. <laughs> Thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee. Can I have an amen to that? But please make sure you decree good things so that it can be established. And the light shall shine upon thy ways. Can I have an amen to that? When men are cast down, then you will say there is lifting up and it shall save your humble person. I don't know how many people are cast down around you. This is a season where many men are cast down. Even our economy is enough to cast anybody down. But you will say there's a lifting up. You will be lifted up in the name of Jesus. The last scripture I want to bless you with is 2 Corinthians 2.14. Stand on your feet, everybody. 2 Corinthians 2.14. Glory be to God. Pastor is not preaching for too long anymore. Isn't that amazing? 2 Corinthians 2.14. Let's read it together. One, two, go. Now thanks be unto God who causes, who always causes us to triumph in Christ. And make it manifest the savour of his knowledge by us in every place. How often does it cause us to triumph? Triumph is victory. To triumph is to be victorious. How often, according to the word of God, does God cause us to have victory? I'm still not hearing it properly. How often do you want to enjoy victory? Just only on Sundays? How about Monday afternoon? How about Tuesday? What about only Wednesdays? No, Thursday is our Bible study day. How about Friday encounter night? How about Saturday? Oh, Now, thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. In Christ. You have to be in Christ to triumph always. 
So get into Christ first. Let Christ be in your heart as your Lord and Savior. Then you are qualified for the triumphing always. That's when you're qualified. It's not because you go to church every Sunday, you come to church every Sunday. Coming to church is good, but have you come to Christ? I want to give you an opportunity this morning. Step number one of our covenant with God is when we give our heart to the Lord Jesus. A young man did last Sunday. Is there another person today that would like to say, Pastor, pray with me. I want to enter into a covenant relationship with God. I want to give my heart to Jesus. Maybe you've done it before, but you still feel the need to do it again. You feel, I'm not where I'm supposed to be yet with the Lord.